We really want to thank our children's ministry, the staff, the volunteers, but some of you parents, I'm talking with you out there, this is the first time you've come to church three times back to back because of these kids. Thank you, thank you so much, thank you. We as a church have a great emphasis on teaching these little ones, whether they're in early childhood, grade school, your middle school, high school, college, and beyond. So we just want to be able to express that. If you're online, you're looking for a place where your children can go through, this is the place I recommend. My wife and I can tell you, our daughters went through this, you know? Grade school, elementary, college, now grown and gone. But that's a great opportunity to raise your children with Jesus Christ as the center of their lives. So the kids, the staff is doing a great job. Some of them were here yesterday. They had a Holy Week scavenger hunt yesterday morning. They were just going around with checking the barcode and finding this and just to know the story of what we're going into this Holy Week. And it's, we're looking forward to Vacation Bible School. Vacation Bible School for our church kids is coming. Yes, how many of you are going to be there? We need volunteers. We need people to bring your kids. It's, it's uh, June the 20th to the 24th in the evening, 6 to 8. So you can walk around that schedule. You can drop them off on all the day VBS and bring them back in the evening. A great outreach, a great expression of the church. So we want to be encouraged to do that. Students are serving and different ones. When you get that word, the worship, the word, and the way, it makes a great difference for our kingdom with our kids. So I encourage you to do that. We've been going through this series in, the, in, the, in this Lenten season, which started with Ash Wednesday. We've been looking through the life of Jesus. Even some of us, we are going through the uh, Seek God for the City, where you pray scripture. You have a time to reflect on what does it mean to see Jesus during this week in his life. And now we're here, Palm Sunday, which is the, the climax of the 40 days. And Palm Sunday, we're looking forward to the great celebration of Easter that will come. And so this is the beginning of what we call Holy Week. You heard from Pastor Josh and also from Marisol what's going to be happening. A time for reflection, a time to be in the scriptures, a time to consider our Savior who came in as the King of Kings, the one that we will look to. So this is a very special time in the history of the church because Jesus, our King, was coming in. Because when we think about people who have power, sometimes that power is understood or misunderstood. They did for King Jesus on that first Palm Sunday we talked about. I have a couple of pictures I want us to look at and think about what the, each of these pictures say. Alexander the Great, in 332 BC, he conquered Jerusalem. He came into Jerusalem with spears and swords and horses and that he can show, I have conquered, I am the king and the power. The next one, many of you can relate to that. It was at the age of 25, Queen Elizabeth II. She was, that was the coronation event, that Queen Elizabeth II was in power. I was in June 1953. Power that was realized, power that was established. It was there. The next um, slide of picture we see, it's the inauguration. So coronation, inauguration is a huge event. 
This was the one of, of President Kennedy. Those of us from Africa, West Africa, we, we can relate to that. It was a big thing in 1961. A president is inaugurated because we know there are lots of hospitals and educational centers named after that. That was a man put in place in power. But also with the kids, I think some of you will like this because you watch this. Yes, yeah, somebody else wants to display a power and to, you know, a fun story, imagination. You can imagine that, um, the Lion King. You can imagine C.S. Lewis, you know, Aslan and all of those kings. So whether it's people or animals, there's a place for power and king. And this one is another part of the world where in West Africa, you know, the Ghanaians in our congregation, Owusu got me this picture. This is when uh, a, a a person is established in power, Asante Henny. When they are established in power, there's an authority, there's something that goes with it. But we think about our King Jesus, who was also coming into a city with his power and his might, the display of wealth, the display of power, the display of strength is understood when we look at a worldly entrance of power. But we need to consider, as we make our journey through Jesus, his own entrance into the city, that's the story we're going to be looking at today in the book of Luke. And we read this one in Luke, but this is one of the stories. It's in all of the gospel. There's a harmony of the gospel. You read in Matthew, he talks about a donkey and branches. You, you read in Mark, he talks about branches that they brought up. You read in John, it talks about a festival had just ended and they were waving palm branches. We call this the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. The question is, was that power realized? Did people understand what had happened that day? Let's read that scripture, then we'll get to the main points of this message. If you are able, you can stand. Please stand as we read Luke chapter 19. Verse 28 to 40. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany on the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. And he went along Along, people spread their cloaks on the, on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, Rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones we cry out. Jesus, you have spoken to us in your word. 
Now come Holy Spirit and give us the wisdom that we may understand your word and to follow in obedience in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. We're going to look at this scripture and try to draw from it that we see, like I said, it's in all of the scriptures, but what was the entrance of that king that day in the journey to the cross? What were the expectations that the people had and what were they supposed to exalt? Him as the king. What was the exaltation of the king? As we've been following with Pastor Josh, each one of these that tell us the journey to the cross and from the cross. By the way, it's an amazing way God drew in the season just to bring Pastor Josh with us. So let's read what it says. What, was, what are the main points we'll see in this message? That the journey to the cross had a beginning. If we can put that up, we'll read what the journey to the cross has a beginning. The inauguration of the king. The king that was coming into, into town that day they be, has a beginning. And the next one is that the journey from the cross, we have an ending. The consummation of Jesus as king over all. So Jesus had come to the cross. That was the beginning for him to announce that he's the king. And then we see that from the cross, going forward to the final consummation of his kingdom. The now and not yet. The kingdom is, it's, has not yet come. The kingdom is here, but not yet. And so you and I, until that consummation of that kingdom, we have the work to do for the king. The one and only king, Jesus. So let's look at the first section in this, in this passage here. Entrance of the king. And we see that in Luke 19, 28 to 31. You know, the entrance of the king was very different. You know, you could see that he didn't come like Alexandra. He didn't come like the Asante king. He didn't come like the queen. The entrance of the king was very different. So he came into the city of Jerusalem. And here are a couple of things we'll see. Simplicity of him, the king that came. It was simplicity, humility, and power. The simplicity of Jesus was not compared to any of those other inaugurations or coronation of Jesus. He came simple. There was not preparation of money, of time, of people, of getting the room ready. But in eternity and in the word of God, it was already declared that, yes, we have to get ready for the skin. And it says over in uh, Zechariah 9.9, Rejoice, greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. So Jesus coming into the city that day was prophecy fulfilled. So he came simply with no big announcement. He came into that city. And the humility we see here, Jesus came on a donkey. He was going to ride the donkey, the colt, you know, all those scriptures you read. Now, when you think about how this power was misunderstood, the simplicity and the, the humility of Jesus, because the scripture had said it, but think about the power that was in control of, of Palestine, of Israel at that time, and think specifically in the city of Jerusalem. 
You know, in the city of Jerusalem, the Roman soldier, their elite forces, their special forces, were always in what they called the Antonia Fortress. And so they were there, they had a direct look on what the Temple Mount will be happening. And on the Temple Mount, if there was going to be any rebellion, any uprising, those special forces, they could just sweep that out quickly. They would stop it. It would not happen. So they must have been watching that here is someone, a king coming, and they will be watching and saying, eh, he's riding on a colt of a donkey. You guys go back to the barracks and just have more drinks because they misunderstood the power that was coming into the city that day. And so they didn't get it. But we see that the entrance of the king was one that was marked by from eternity. What's the visitation we be for you and I as a church, as an individual, in our homes, in our places? If we had a visitation today, will it be receiving the King of Kings in simplicity, humility, and recognizes power? When Jesus comes to us as our Savior, he comes into us as we invite him. He knows us and he can abide in us. Where is Jesus in the home, in your place of work, in your community? Is, are you the representation of this king? There are rules and reigns that nobody understands his power, and that is the king of kings, Jesus himself. Oh, that the entrance of Jesus into our lives, every aspect of our lives, everything we do, we be one that is manifested by his simplicity, by his humility and power. The king has come. And the king is here, and we have to exalt him. The second thing we'll see about this king, there was expectation of a king. Expectations of the king. So Jesus is coming into the city in Jerusalem, and he and this was not his first uh, time to enter the city. Had come many times. Now he comes down from Galilee. He's coming into the city for the last time. There was an expectation of a king. The other kings we saw, they would have conquered... They would have destroyed their subjects and then they would just want them to submit to them. But the one expectation we start with of our king was he came as the suffering king. That was the expectation of King Jesus. He was coming to die. His entrance into Jerusalem this last and final week was to complete his mission. This holy week, the king is coming in the city. And he had said, the scripture had said in Isaiah and many other scriptures we can look at, Jesus has set his mind to go to the city of Jerusalem because he was going to die. The suffering servant, Jesus entered, and that was what was expected from the father, from those who knew him. Peter got that right. Peter knew that Jesus had said in Matthew 16, Jesus had said earlier, I set up my mind, I'm going to Jerusalem, and I'm going to die. And Peter said, oh, no, no. He went and bought a sword. He was ready. But our servant, our king, entered to die. That was his mission. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And the only way that would be completed was by going to Calvary and dying on that cross the suffering servant. Christians, he completed the work for us. Jesus has done it all. He completed the work of suffering and died for our sins. But anyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ, suffering is part of the calling. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We face suffering. We'll face difficulties because the king 
that we serve did it. And it is through our suffering, it is through our difficulty, we manifest him that had the power that was misunderstood. Do you recognize Jesus in your suffering? Do you recognize that what he did for you was completed? And now that you and I will suffer, and your, our suffering could be in many areas. It could be physically. We could be suffering. It could be financially. It could be in our marriage. It could be in parenting. It could be in our homes. But through that suffering, let the manifestation of the one that came is there because we've experienced the suffering of Christ. The second thing we see that when Jesus came here into his entrance, the other expectation for suffering was he wanted complete surrender. Jesus wanted surrender to him as the only king, that the only sovereign, the only power that I can give myself to. What was he requiring? Even with the two disciples that he sent, they had to surrender to the direction given by the king. He said, go into that city. And they submitted. Imagine, they went into that town and the, 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 the surrender of somebody who had his donkey, his coat that was tied there, they said, the Lord needs it. What do you and I to consider this time in our walk with Jesus, in our journey from the cross? What do I have to surrender? It may be myself, my pride, my power, my difficulties, my challenges. What is God saying in my life that I'll say, the Lord needs it? Verse 31, it's Jesus said, tell them the Lord needs it. And when, in their, when they arrived there, they said, the Lord needs it. Can we consider as a church, as a community, as individual, what is Jesus wanting us to lay out there as his surrender to him? It may be something you've been struggling with, but the king deserves it. Give it to him. Your time, your talents, your treasures. You know, difficulty in, in, giving, in giving up on children. Never think about that. Once a parent, always a parent. You know, this uh, few months, my wife and I have gone through this book, How to Parent Your Adult Children. Love them. Live your life for them. Let them know you are loved. We can surrender them to the Lord as much as they themselves can surrender us to the Lord. What is the suffering? What is the, the surrender? Everything belongs to him. It's from him and through him are all things. All that will surrender our lives, our church, our community with him. The third thing we see about this was obedience to do the will of the Father. The instruction, the directions that were given to these uh, two disciples, I'm so glad they didn't tell us their names. You know, there's a wonder in the scripture, even as uh, Dr. Lucas writes, and this didn't tell us which two of those disciples, because we would have started to name our children, our aunts and uncles, you know, by that name. But these two showed absolute obedience, that they are going, and not only them, but the Bible says, when you meet the owner, when the owner is going to question just tell them to obey because the Lord needs it. And so that's absolute surrender to all that the king has so that I can do his will. Do we surrender our finances? Do we surrender our bodies? Do we surrender our minds to the king? And say, King Jesus, it's all for you. I give it to you. So the expectations of the king would be his subjects, his followers, would be people who will abide in his suffering. He's also expecting that I will be surrender my life to him 
not my ambition, not my pride. And in that surrender, it's showing absolute obedience as these folks came. Part of their, their surrender and obedience, the Bible says, they brought it to Jesus, they put him on it, and they spread their clothes right out there. They were showing that this king who is going to parade in town, we can just surrender in obedience, we can give everything we have on him to ride, to go into the city because they were expecting something to happen. That's the expectations of the king. That is the king that is coming. That is the king that wants it all. Church, may we be that church that we are expecting the king to do something and we are ready to step out in faith and trust because of obedience. And the other thing we see why the king was coming with this group of people was the exaltation of the king. And so Jesus comes into the city, and again, scripture is being fulfilled. And we read in Psalm 118, verse 20, you know, the people will be shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. What a wonderful rendition from the kids, uh, the choir here, to say, let the redeemed of this Lord say so. So he comes into the city, and now he's being exalted. They're going to be shouting out about the king. What were they shouting? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Verse 38. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So the king comes in and his followers are going to proclaim his name. They're going to proclaim his name. Friends, there's only one name that is above every name that you and I should be proclaiming. Proclaim the name of Jesus. Sometimes we are enamored, we, are idol, we idolize other names that are at the top of our list. But this name of Jesus is what brings salvation. This name of Jesus is what sets the captives free. The Bible says, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth. May I bow before that king today. Jesus as my Lord. Let's proclaim that name. The gospel message is the name that we should proclaim because he's the king. He wants to be known. He's the only one that I can tell, this is my king. This is my king. And who are the people who are making this declaration? Verse 37, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices. So we see that the Romans were afraid. They were over there in their barracks thinking that they're going to put an uprising down. But we see the followers of Jesus, they were proclaimers. We see that they were, they were not only the 12 disciples, but the Bible says in this, the whole crowd, those people, he says here, who they have seen and heard the miracles. They've seen Jesus teach. They've seen Jesus heal. They've seen Jesus feed, and they can proclaim it. What has Jesus done for you that today you're going to proclaim what has Jesus done in your life, in my life, that I need to get out there and shout it to the mountaintops that this is the King Jesus I proclaim? Because the more I proclaim that name of Jesus, the more he's resident that everybody knows about it, the more I will see, the second thing we'll see, that victory is in his name. The more we'll see that victory is in the name because the Bible says at that name of Jesus, victory will be demonstrated. You and I have struggles, we have difficulties, we have disappointment, we have losses. All of these discouragements that happen, we can realize that our king will give us victory. Never give up, because the victory may not be now, but don't tarry, it's coming. The victory may not be realized, but it is coming. It may be in your health, it may be in your finances, 
It's maybe in your marriage. It just be some difficulties you're going through. I don't know what you're going through, but I can tell you, proclaiming the name and the victory only Jesus can give. Think about the little moments when you struggle with seeing the victory. Jesus is there. As I was walking on this message, I shared with another brother, we, we traveled to the prison. You know, we used to go there on Saturday nights and do ministry. I will tell you, my, my fear of needing a victory came one day. He reminded of the story. We got there, nothing was working. The direct feed from here to this um, prison was not working. I was in fear. I was in fear of myself, not anybody else. You know, doors locked behind you when you're going to this prison. Click, click, click. And you just want to, I can't go back. I just need to go forward. But we know we're safe. And I had that fear. And as I was talking to this young man next to me, you know, he was going to get ready to, to head out to West Point. I said, don't you know we sing that song, victory is in the name of Jesus, my victory is in Jesus. That was the moment I was waiting for. That's where I knew that victory is in the name of Jesus. He granted me that victory. The same Jesus yesterday, today, and forever, his victory is there. Will you get hold of that victory of Jesus that he brings? And they were also shouting in that crowd. They were also shouting that, oh yeah, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And it says, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Well, those who knew him, they knew what power he had. And so they were talking about if the Roman soldiers are going to take us out or if this guy is not going to take the, the Romans out, he's going to stay here. We need to see that he's the one that gives us peace. The tranquility. The moments you cannot feel the power. When a report is given to you, you are discouraged. Or when you cannot make these bills, you can trust that Jesus can say, I got this. I, you can trust me. I got this. I will do it. And that's the peace that comes in the moments. Whatever you're facing right now, you may be doubting, is this king available? He's not just the king. You can just send messages to him quickly and he responds. Then you'll say, I have my peace. Sometimes the struggle has to go on. Sometimes the challenges, the difficulties. But trust him. Proclaim him. He is there with the victory that he will give. And count on his peace. His peace will be available. Get hold of that. And that's the power of this king that made the entrance. So today, if Jesus was to come with a visitation to you, if Jesus was to come and say, this is the entrance, I know my child, my son, I know the challenges you're having, the difficulties, but I'm here. I've come simply to you. I have come in humility because that's what he was going to the cross for. And after the cross, you can experience that simple power don't misunderstand the power of the king we serve. And live with his expectation every day. He expects us to live in suffering, in surrender and obedience. That's an expectation for the king. Let's examine our lives. Where do I need to see this expectation fulfilled? As you're going along on the journey from the cross, you start to think. Yes, I will proclaim the name of Jesus. I will exalt that name. I will live in his victory. And I will live in his peace. That's the king that entered Jerusalem that day. But many misunderstood the king that came. 
The same yesterday, the same today, forever. That's why we live after the cross without looking forward to the kingdom that will be forever established. I'm going to share a, a video clip that I want us to watch and listen. Now, the sound was back in the 70s, so I don't think they had high definition. I'm sure if, if it was there, our, our audio team here will make it. But the preacher, he has a great name, Shadrach Meshach Lockridge, was a pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in San Diego, uh, California. Many years he gave this message about, that's my king, and do you know him? That's the king we want to serve. I want us to reflect, to ponder, to consider. If that is the king I believe, what you hear and what you read and see, may that be a call to commitment about the king that I want to follow. Let's watch and listen to this. My king was born king. In fact, the Bible says he's a seven-way king. Oh, my king always has been king and always will be king. He's in every way able to satisfy every need, your need and mine, and everybody's need simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He forgives sinners. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. Now that's my king. Well, do you know him? Do you know him? Hey! Do you know him? I ask you, do you know him? He's the captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He's the governor of governors. He's the prince of princes. He's the king of kings. And he's the lord of lords. That's my king. What I like about him, he's indescribable. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, the heavens of heaven cannot contain it, let alone a man explain it. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Hey, that's my king. Thine is the kingdom and the power. He's got all power and the glory forever and ever and when you get through with all of the forever then amen that's the king we follow that's the king who should be reigning in everything Jesus Christ our Lord. So the journey, let me finish with this statement here. Our journey with King Jesus has a purpose, a mission. His kingdom continues in and through us on earth. We're going to have a commitment to be made 
at this time? Is he on the throne? Am I going to declare this commitment that others we know in a few minutes will be heralding some of that commitment, that declaration by the baptism of some of our folks here? It's a commitment to King Jesus. So I'm going to have us a time on silent prayer, then I will invite our lead pastor, Pastor Josh is going to come and to close us, and then he will give us the instruction. But let's just have a moment of silence as I invite Pastor Josh to come for the close. Let us pray.